Welcome to All Things Cardio-Oncology. This is the podcast of the International Cardio-Oncology Society. My name is Steve Caselli. I'm the Executive Director of ICOS, and on this program, I have the privilege of speaking with leaders from around the world in the developing field of cardio-oncology. Today, it's a real pleasure for me to be speaking with another global leader in the field, Dr. Susanna Stanway. Dr. Stanway is a consultant in medical oncology in the breast unit at Royal Marsden NHS Foundation Trust in London. Dr. Stanway serves on our Global Cardio-Oncology Summit Committee as well for ICOS, which will be a virtual conference this year on October 1st. You can get information about that on our website. So welcome to the program, Dr. Stanway. Good morning. <laughs> Good I'm afternoon. sorry you've had to get up so early. <clears throat> no worries. I'm typically an early riser. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> yes. It's the best part of the day, I think. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I often like to begin uh, just by hearing from our guests how they got involved in the field of cardio-oncology. So maybe we can begin there and tell us a little bit about your background and what led you into this field as an interest. I'm sure. Thank you. Um, so I qualified in medicine in 1998 from Bristol University in the UK. Um, and, and after that, um, started my, my training. Um, during my tr training um, um, to become a consultant medical oncologist, I, I did some research in breast cancer and, and found it so interesting that I decided when I was a substantive consultant, um, that was the field I'd like to specialise in. Um, and looking after women with breast cancer, it, it's been wonderful um, the journey such that now the majority of, of patients now who are diagnosed with early breast cancer survive um, the diagnosis um, but this means that they're that they're going to live with some of the sequelae of our of our treatments um, and so I think it's become an imperative um, that the field of cancer survivorship has become particularly um, surrounding breast cancer um, and so my interest has really come from that, just seeing the impact that, that, it, that it's had on patients that I've, that I've looked after. And so my work's predominantly been around um, sexual consequences of breast cancer, um, management of vasomotor symptoms and cardio-oncology, and has been around education um, and um, advocating and, and, and research in those areas. Um, so yes, that, that, that's really how, how I got involved in, in this really, really interesting area. I, I was fortunate enough when I worked at the Chelsea branch of the Royal Marsden Hospital, which is where I work, um, to come into contact with um, Dr. Alex Lyon from the Royal Brompton Hospital, which is situated next door. Um, he's the current president of the British Cardio-Oncology Society, and he uh, kindly involved me in, in some of the work that he was doing, um, which has led to a collaboration with Professor Krishnan Baskaran at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, um, and we, after that, supervised the PhD student Anthony Matthews and that's led to some work that, that we've done together and also with Alex Lyon which I which I've really enjoyed and we'll come on to talk to I'm sure talk about I'm sure in a minute. Yeah that's excellent and I understand that you were involved in helping organize the global summit that was in London in 2017. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and how that conference went. Yes yeah, so that 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 really came about through my um, collaboration professionally and subsequent friendship with, with, with Dr. Alex Lyon. Um, and it was a, a super opportunity really to, to meet with 
physically um, leaders in cardio-oncology around the world. We had a fabulous attendance at the meeting at the Royal College of Physicians. Um, and um, yes, it was a it was a super meeting. We, we had some really high profile media interest here and we both went to talk on the Today programme on Radio 4 about it, which has a huge national leadership in the hope of that we were advocating for this area as an important area um, within oncology. So we were, we, we were very lucky in that respect. Um, so yes, it was a it was a great opportunity I had a sort of early on in my career interest in this area. So I, I'm grateful to Alex for that. That's wonderful. Have you do you feel like you've seen growth in just awareness of cardio oncology in your sphere of influence? I know um, around the world it's a growing field, but there there needs to be much more awareness. How how do you feel like things are going there in your area? Um, I think um, that we have, um, th there's huge awareness about it, certainly in the centre that I work in and has been for some time, um, largely due to leaders like, like Alex um, raising the profile of, of the area in this country. Um, so we're very fortunate to have easy access to experts at the Royal Brompton Hospital, which is next door to us. Um, and have the opportunity to refer patients really now in a preventative way, not just in a in a reactive way, which is, I think, the way this field is going. Um, and I think probably the, the, the next step is going to be further empowering oncologists to be able to deliver some of this care themselves. And I think that's probably the direction in which um, we, we see it going here now, um, whereby only the necessary patients get referred to see a, a, a specialist cardio-oncologist who really need their specialist input. Um, but some of the more day-to-day -day preventative strategies and, uh, and early interventions can be done by the oncologists themselves in collaboration with their patients. One of the unique areas of your work that I noticed in your background is your interest in cancer control in low and middle income countries around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about first just what does that mean and what kinds of countries are we talking about and then how your interests developed in that area of work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a, a huge um, passion of mine, which extends beyond my, my, my workplace. Uh, I have for a long time. I, I think I, I trace my interest really back to when I was um, a, a trainee uh, over a, a decade and a half ago. And um, there was a patient that was brought to us by an NGO to our hospital um, who, who was a teenager um, suffering with an incurable malignancy. And it really um, started me thinking, why on earth has she been brought to, to, to our country for treatment and, and mm. how devastating the impact of that was on her to be taken away from her home country and her family. And it led to my interest in this area. And to my horror, I, I discovered that the vast majority of cancer cases in the world and cancer deaths in the world happen in low and middle income countries. Um, and these are countries where they haven't, they're not fortunate enough to often have the infrastructure that we have across the cancer care continuum, ranging from cancer prevention to treatment to palliative care. And really, I, I've heard the statistic also that less than 5% of, of, of oncology um, papers that are published are really going to be relevant in these settings so mm -hmm. it led my interest to collaborating with colleagues in these areas um, as to how the situation can be can be improved um, so i uh, i now participate in research endeavors education and endeavors and i think um 
really convening people and advocating for these areas. So since 2016, for example, I, I, um, I set up and chaired the steering group of a, of a meeting that we have at the Royal Society of, of Medicine um, centred around global cancer control. And we've been very fortunate to have great attendance at this meeting. And it's been really interesting to see how particularly junior doctors are, are really, really interested to know how they can play their part to, to give back, um, which has been re really heartwarming to see. And we've had um, involvement with the Royal Society of Medicine, um, the Royal College of Radiologists, um, that subsequently last year led to a week of meetings that we entitled London Global Cancer Week, um, that culminated in a meeting on cervical cancer control um, at the Commonwealth in London, which we were very excited about. Um, so we've got a website for anybody that's, that's interested in learning more and we are going to have a meeting in 2020 which will be the 15th to the 21st of November which will be predominantly um, or probably almost almost all virtual um, and we've got collaborations from colleagues around the world so that's really exciting um, and I've been very fortunate to be invited by ASCO to sit on the editorial board of the Journal of Global Oncology um, now called um, JCO Global Oncology um, which has been a fantastic experience to, to, to network and to meet other leaders um, from countries around the world who also share this interest. Um, and for the last three years in a row I, I've also been very lucky to be awarded um, grants from the Global Challenges Research Fund, which comes um, through our government systems here, and have worked with really um, amazing, inspirational leaders in um, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Tanzania and, and Ghana. Um, the first study that we ran was a comparison of unmet need in women who had had breast cancer um, in, in Ghana and Tanzania, and um, we compared it with unmet need with patients in the UK. And then following on from that, we looked at how we could respond to this unmet need um, and develop a competency framework to upskill nurses in these areas, areas to be able to deliver interventions which might help patients who had had breast cancer. Um, and this, the study, which we're halfway through at the moment, is um, about building knowledge and capacity within palliative care in the Eastern Democratic Republic of, of Congo. It's been slightly hampered by the COVID pandemic, but um, I'm sure we will um, re resume this work when things settle down a bit. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm very grateful as I'm able to play a very, very small part in, in what I see as one of the most important areas of, of oncology at the moment. Um, and I think global access, you know, equity and access to, to care and treatment along the cancer care continuum is, a, is an equity imperative that we must all strive to, to, to improve. Mm. Um, yeah. Can you, can you maybe just comment um, on how this connects up with cardio-oncology? Obviously, if there are such tremendous needs just for oncological care, how how then would that impact uh, your the cardio oncology population? There's there's obviously a huge spectrum with what cancer care is delivered from a treatment perspective in these oh. settings, ranging from some countries where um, the the cancer management and treatment is is the same as it would be in a high income country like the UK or the US if you have the money to pay for it because many of these countries don't have UHC they haven't got universal health coverage um, although some lower middle income countries do have UHC such as Thailand um, but I think 
you know, even in some of the poorer countries, they have access to chemotherapy drugs. Um, and I think that whilst patients are being treated with these agents, um, I think that as oncologists or, or physicians or gynecologists, as, as is sometimes the case in, in some of these countries, I think that they have a, a, a responsibility, a duty to then um, pick up the pieces of any problems that might be incurred following giving these treatments. So I think that it's part of the piece of, of oncology training is going to be about delivering survivorship care. And mm. so I think my main interest from a research perspective in lower middle income countries is going to be around cancer survivorship. Um, and whilst I haven't yet done any cardio oncology training, I, I, I've seen that there are already, that there is already a huge interest um, and there is research and education going on in, in this area. Um, so, and many of the clinicians in these areas are, are trained and skilled like you and I are. It's just their hands are tied with respect to being able to deliver services that, will be, that we're able to deliver. So, it, it, you know, it's not always through lack of knowledge and, and training. It's got to be development of infrastructure and funding. Um, and a lot of that goes back to, to universal health coverage. So I think that's, that, that probably underpins all of this. But I, I hope in the future to, to be able to work collaboratively with, with colleagues in these settings um, in the area of cardio-oncology, because I think it's so important. Right. That's, that's such an interesting development. You, you mentioned that um, you heard 5% of papers are not applicable. Can you drill down just a little bit on that and, and comment on what are some of the gaps? What are some of the critical gaps, maybe particularly in cardio oncology? Is it is it access to medications? Is it uh, infrastructure? Is it knowledge? What what would do you think yeah. are some of the main areas where we can make quick improvements in some of these uh, countries? I think probably for me, one of the areas that I'm most interested in and, and, and want to learn more about and practice more of is, is that around implementation science. So I think that the one size fits all is no longer applicable. And mm -hmm. what we do in high income countries cannot just be lifted off the shelf and implemented in low and middle income countries. And indeed, um, some of the ways that we deliver cancer care is hugely inefficient. So I think that there's also going to be reverse learning and I think that we have to be humble and willing to learn about this because a little like um, in many sub-Saharan African countries they sort of leapfrogged the sort of desktop phone scenario and went straight to mobile phone technology. Um, I think that similar things will happen with delivery of healthcare and I think that not only, um, you, you know, th th this is a huge opportunity to make things great from the beginning and so I think that you know, learning how in this country, for example, we can upskill oncologists to be able to deliver some cardio-oncology care themselves, I think that's going to be even more imperative in low and middle income countries where they often are much more stretched with respect to healthcare, um, um, healthcare manpower. Um, so, you know, for example, we have just published um, in the European Journal of Heart Failure baseline cardiovascular risk assessment position statement and, and risk assessment tools um, mm. it was in association with, with ICOS I believe um, and you, you know these are proformers that oncologists can use in clinic to assess whether a patient's going to be at low medium or high risk of cardiovascular sequelae from a cancer therapy um, 
And so this doesn't involve sending a patient to a cardiologist that you're worried about. This involves doing some of the work yourself in clinic, um, which is going to be more efficient. So I would see this kind of work being translated very nicely to low resource settings where they may not have such manpower that we have here. Excellent. That, your emphasis on reverse learning, I think, is so helpful and so important. I, one of the one of the things we hope for in our work as a, as a society is that is that very thing will be taking place as we interact with people from around the world. Yes. Really appreciate that. And we, you know, we do have international chapters that we're establishing globally, and some of those are in low and middle income countries. Do you have any any quick advice or thoughts in terms of as we move forward in those partnerships, things that we should be listening for or emphases that we should have in our work in these countries? Um, so I think um, I think the key is to listen to the people that are on the ground there. Yeah. The so-called, you know, colonial view of things is absolutely out the window. And right. the, the experts in their area, you know, I'm humbled when I go and work in countries like Kenya and Tanzania, their examination skills way eclipse mine because often in mm. these settings, you've got the access to imaging facilities or quick diagnostic facilities that I have. And they are they are they are red hot on their examination skills. Um, and, you know, these they are educated. They know their their setting far better than any of us do. So I think listen to the people on the ground and it, it's about collaborative working. It's not and it's a two way, um, a two way process. So that that would be my advice. I had the privilege of going to South Africa um, just before, literally, the, uh, the first weekend in March. We had our first, the first cardio-oncology conference, as far as we know, on the continent of Africa. Yes, I heard about this. Yes. Yeah, it was excellent. It was really well done. And um, do you know Dr. Singh, Trishan Singh? No, I don't. Okay. He, he pulled it all together. And... You know, he was telling us just in turn, just the resources there. I think he said for 60 million people, there's 200 cardiologists and maybe fewer uh, medical oncologists in, in South Africa. It's un, it's unbelievable. I mean, where I'm working in the DRC, there's four oncologists for the whole country, and it's way bigger than the UK. So there's massive amounts of work to be done. But South Africa trains many of the um, healthcare. Um, physicians or were surgeons across the board um, for us, Africa. So oh, okay. I, if we get cardio-oncology training embedded somewhere like South Africa, that's fabulous because it'll, it'll, um, it'll affect people in the rest of Africa. So that's great. Yeah, there was, there was a good bit of interest. There's about 100 people there and mostly from South Africa, but there were people from, you know, Kenya and Malawi and other other African nations. So it was it was a really, really well done conference. Yeah, superb. And sadly, you know, can't can't repeat it right now, but um, maybe we'll do do something virtual. Yes. Yes. And I think virtual will give people more opportunity. I, I, I think in a way it's a positive outcome, isn't it? Um, yeah, we, we've been talking about that, particularly the the expense of travel I, and everything yeah. else. Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was accused a little bit last year of our meeting in London, although we had huge input from people around the world. I was accused a little bit of, of not having enough input. But I think our emphasis had been on having people physically there. And when you think of the cost of doing that and also taking valuable manpower out of these low resource countries, even yeah. if it's for days, one's got to think of what the effect of that is. Um, you know, there you are saying they haven't got enough people and then you're taking people out for your meeting. So right. <laughs> my colleague in the DRC, he uh, recorded his presentation about prostate cancer on his YouTube channel. And then we got him on the phone at the end of the meeting in DRC and spoke with him and it worked really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's excellent. And as you have um, interacted with uh, these these partnerships. Are you currently involved in in research projects that are collaborative across across countries, or anything like that going on that you'd like to comment about? Um, yes. Yeah, so the, uh, the the three main projects that I'm involved with them, and then in the process of finishing and writing up are the, are the global challenges research grant projects that I've already mentioned. Okay. Um, we are also in the process of, of, of trying to set up within our um, comprehensive cancer centre a, a more formalised structure to work with colleagues in other countries and I think that that's also very exciting and I'm also working with a couple of colleagues to set up a UK based network of individuals who are interested in this work because I think that duplication of work um, and, and it is, is, is a risk otherwise, and not sharing experiences. So I think that there's great opportunity here for international networking. Um, and um, other than that, yes, those are the main projects that I'm involved with at the moment in, in convening the London Global Cancer Week, which is a, a huge amount of work um, to, to pull together. We're very fortunate this year that the Lancet Oncology have joined our, our, um, our steering group um, and will um, hopefully bring a, a superb meeting to the week as well. Um, so, yeah, all of that and, and my clinical work keeps me keeps me out of mischief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. So if you just Google London Global Cancer Week, it should be the first hit that comes up. You'll see the website, which is last year's website, which we're in the process of restructuring this year. Um, it will be between the 15th to the 21st of November this year. And we have um, the majority of the week is, is, is now full. Um, and um, so, yes, that's where you should get the majority of, of the information from. And hopefully there will in time be linked to webinars um, and, and, and links to how people can participate in this. But we're, we're hugely excited about it. Excellent. Any other uh, closing comments for our listeners that you would want them to know either about your work or about cardio-oncology generally? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, only this, I think that these two areas, um, you know, the, the area of, of cancer survivorship, of which cardio-oncology is a hugely important area, and, and about cancer control in low-resource settings, I think should be part of oncology training, um, just because they're so important. Um, so, yes, that's my, my, my take-home message, really. That's excellent. And I do hope that in our conferences in the future, this will be an area where you can help us uh, you know, bring lectures and, and training for our people. I think it's a, oh. a great, excellent area. I would very much like that. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me this morning. It's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate the work you're doing and hope that we'll be able to talk again in the near future. That's super. Thank you so much for the invitation.
Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Our annual Global Cardio-Oncology Summit, the GCOS meeting, will be a virtual meeting this year due to the global pandemic. It'll be held on Thursday, October 1st. For information, you can go to our website, ic-os.org, and on our homepage, you'll find a link for the conference registration information. We hope you'll be able to join us.